blood red sun rises on yet another episode of Terror Vision, a sun that bears a strange resemblance to a flying guillotine. Our commentators tonight are Alex Davy here, Toby Jones right here, Maddie Carey Bell, Ben, his middle name gag will never take off, Hanson. Oh, uh, should, I, should I introduce myself? <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got two internet uh, Skypers here. So, Brad, why don't you introduce yourself first? Hi, this is Brad Pearson. Horror you up for him. Okay, now that that's settled. So I just I wanted to start the, the the conversation tonight with the concept of a flying guillotine. How does everybody feel about this as 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 the sort of the titular weapon, the focal point of this movie? Did you guys like it? You guys know that this is not the only movie with a flying guillotine. No, Please it, enlighten don't. us. This is the only movie I've ever seen featuring a flying guillotine. There are guillotine. other kung fu movies of the era, mostly uh, I think Shaw Brothers movies um, that feature a flying guillotine of kind of a different design. It looks a little looks a little weird. It's a little cruder of a of a flying guillotine, but it is a flying guillotine. So, so it's a less elegant it a version. Guillotine, and it's it's brandished by a blind crazy man, just like in this. Yeah. I'm just wondering how you can get cruder than what is essentially a hat with a drop-down uh, neck slicer. Well, it's like this weird, like, in the other ones, it's hard to describe. It's like this cage with a bunch of gears and, like, a, it's, <laughs> it's like a box that goes over your head. It doesn't make much sense. Overly but elaborate. This, by far, is kind of, like, the most, you know... I read, of, apparently, it was like a, uh, uh, it's like a, a mythical sort of, like, it was a historical weapon. Like, th- there was no proof that it was ever actually used. But they did in a lot of writings so they talked about it. Huh, and so really? they just sort of ran with that. Like, so uh, I guess there was a series of, of, it's sort of like a genre piece. Like, we have westerns, they have it, this sort of era. I guess that's films. a weapon that some people used. <laughs> I, I love well, there was this. There was this film that was independent film made uh, and financed uh, Jimmy Wang Yu. And two films previous to this that he, I don't know if he made them or was in them, but like he, there was the one-armed boxer and there was the, the flying guillotine guy, the, the, the blind man. Yeah, Jimmy Wang Yu, for our listeners out there, is the star of the film. Ostensibly, he's, he's the one-armed boxer in this feature. And this is the second one-armed boxer film. The first one, the titular film, the one-armed boxer, is the film in which he loses his arm. And this is Master of the Flying Guillotine, in which he faces off against the titular Master of the Flying this, Guillotine. This movie is essentially the kung fu version of Alien versus Predator. Pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, obviously way more awesome. I would say it's also the kung fu version of Ballistic X versus Sever. <laughs> the, 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 the Flying Guillotine is amazing because it's one of those things that can really only exist in myth and cinema. Because it's like, you see it happen in the film, and it looks very... Very elegant and perfect, and it happens really fast and magically. And it's just like, I don't care how much you show it and how much you explain it. This does not make sense, and it could not possibly work in real life. <laughs> I want to. I want to love about it. So on that, on that, note, I want a cinema. plausibility rating from all of you. I'm going to give the Flying Guillotine a plausibility rating of six out of ten. With five being average, five being about average, average sort of plausible for for a movie exclusive weapon. Or, or hinted at by legend. A legendary weapon, we'll say. Okay. I'm going to give it a... I'd say this thing makes about as much sense as a lightsaber. I was about to make the same comparison. <laughs> I was yeah. actually going to say it makes more sense than a lightsaber. Well, it's true. Because it could exist in physical reality. It just wouldn't work. It'd be, it's, like, it's like trying to throw a little ring on, on a little pole, you know? If you can get it to work, and then, yeah, sure, you can cut off someone's head with a super flying guillotine. But, what I'm, but the fact is, <laughs> that, like, that's a one in a hundred chance you're going to get that. The, on the one my side. dad gave me worked fine. I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll give it. Yeah, I was gonna give it like a six, but I started thinking I'm gonna give it a seven 
off of the fact that it doesn't just cut the heads up, it keeps it in a bag. So you <laughs> it, then he has to empty it and throw it again. That's so true. A lot of He's got to keep emptying these heads out of it. <laughs> it's a very well considered. What you're saying is you would have created a more like semi-automatic version of it that spits the head out gets it ready for the next one. Well, no, you don't even need that. I thought it was really cool that it pulls like he looks the head and then he has to empty it. He throws it again. <laughs> I, know, I mean, in case you want the head afterwards, so it's not like you're going right. I mean, I'd go wireless with it. I mean, the people of today know what they want. They don't want a bunch of cords hanging around. They're it's gonna true. Get, they're going to need twist ties. It's what very if true. Storing it? We have the internet just, on our cell phones. Yeah, let's we go. don't need a fucking chain on our flying gear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's 2009. <laughs> Let's get let's get a 3G flying guillotine out there on, in stores. Also, it's 2011, you idiot. That was the joke, Ben. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so year it is. so given that this film is ostensibly a Johnny Wang Yu film, how many of you actually were rooting for uh, the one-armed boxer, and how many of you were rooting for the flying the master of the flying guillotine? Let's, let's... I actually was rooting for the uh, the tie boxer the whole time. The tie boxer, <laughs> <laughs> the Charles the Charles Bronson lookalike, scene stealer. Yeah, yeah uh, I was definitely rooting for the master of flying guillotine, and I uh, the main reason, even though I've actually seen uh, the one-armed swordsman, which is another one-armed boxer movie is because the movie intros with the with the massive flying guillotine and kind of makes you sympathetic to him. Dude fucking cuts the head off a chicken, burns his own house down, and just walks off into the distance. That's exactly. yeah, one of my favorite parts. He's just like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Jumps through his back. roof. Yeah, yeah the, the best part of the whole movie, obviously, is when he's so pissed off, he bursts through his own roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was also rooting for the massive flying guillotine because, like, Partly because he's so awesome compared to the one I one on Boxer, and also because we watched it in two sittings. At the beginning of the second sitting, I'd forgotten the one on Boxer was supposed to be the protagonist. <laughs> so I was just going for the. Yeah, I went the exact opposite. I started because I, I watched it all the way in one sitting. At first, you know, it's the master of the flying guillotine. You see this blind guy. His people, you know, his, his what is it? His students get killed. Yeah. And I go, oh, this is the good guy. We're following him on his journey to get revenge. Yeah. It, wait a second. This is a crazy old guy who's not just to, he's had to kill any person with one arm. Yeah. Which a, turns out is a lot of people. I mean, but who is it? This really? other guy said, wait a second. He's a perfectly nice guy with one arm. <laughs> this nice note. I mean, so I, I completely switched. I was like, oh, this is the good guy. Wait a second. No, he's not the good guy. He's a bad guy. This guy's a dick. Horrible. And he's I'm blind too, which I didn't realize at first. Like halfway through the movie, I'm like, wait a second. He's blind? I wasn't paying attention, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's truly a film about overcoming, uh, Adversity and your disabilities, yeah. So you, you're saying, Horb, that you switched allegiance right about when the master of the flying guillotine just cold decapitates some random drunk in a bar and then <laughs> says, I'm going to kill every one-armed man I come across. That's when you soured on him. Is that what you're about? That's, not say, that's not to say he's not awesome, because I love that. Like, I mean, if you're a one-armed man, like, life's already shitting on you. Also, someone else has a one-armed thing that did something bad, so you got to pay. It's just... It's too much. Whereas the one on boxer is making the best with what he's got. Um, so I, yeah, I, I switched halfway through. So at the end of it, I was going for the one on boxer. I, I disagree because the well, a uh, mainly just that the one on boxer he fights like a total dick. I mean, <laughs> all he does. Uh, ben, ben described it aptly. He home alones his his way through his fights, <laughs> just like using stuff from around the room and just like not even you know. 
throwing axes out of nowhere. He sets he, up all these traps full of yeah, axes. He, 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 doesn't fight, like, he doesn't fight in a noble manner. It's not really about fighting. It's about setting up booby traps and like slowly harming you. Like making sure your hands get burned just enough so it's really annoying and you're not paying attention and then fucking killing you. Or <laughs> just putting enough axes into you that eventually you just sort of wear down and die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't blame him. He's got one arm, but yeah, I, I yeah, actually. One arm, I, and the guy has a fucking flying guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone I'm, I'm, stop this guy, I'm going to stop him. I'm not going to care about being a dirty fighter for it. And actually, that's why I ended up rooting for the one arm boxer in in opposition to Toby. I loved that he was just like, you know, I could fight this guy, or I could lure him into a coffin shop full of spring-loaded axes, fireworks, <laughs> and, and trick panels. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> so that's one of the kind of the brilliant things about this movie and about, you know, you know, kung fu movies in general do this thing where the hero wins not by physical force, but by cunning, you know? They win by tricking the enemy like you see it in game of death that bruce lee movie where yeah. he fights uh uh kareem abdul jabbar <laughs> and he's totally <laughs> his ass handed to him <laughs> until he realizes that uh he that, that kareem abdul jabbar has got this thing with his with his eyes where he, he can't see a lot of sunlight so he's sitting in a dark room and he's wearing sunglasses and so bruce lee just punches a bunch of holes in the windows that are all blacked out and then he and then Kareem can't see, and he kicks his ass. You know, and, and, you know, he does that over and over in, like, Game of... Or not Game of Death, in uh, the really famous one. Yeah, he does Dragon, Dragon, there's yeah. that Hall of Mirrors. Oh, you know, yeah. there's always kind of... There's always trickery, you know. They, they trick the Thai boxer by putting him in that, like, hot plate room because he's yeah. barefoot. They John McClane him, basically. And that was just grisly. <laughs> yeah, so, that was a grisly move. So, Brad, what you're positing here is that Chris Columbus in his Home Alone series was heavily influenced by classic Kung Fu. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, there's that part where, you know, the Thai boxer falls to the ground and he's, he's sizzling and suffering on the floor. And uh, the one-armed boxer stands over and he says, you give up or you're thirsty for more. <laughs> 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 You big horse's ass. <laughs> so, Maddie, where did you fall on the on the protagonist scale? Did you like the? Uh, were you going for the one arm or, I, or the? Yeah, I, I had to go for the one arm boxer because, like you said, the the movie starts and you think, oh, of course, he's avenging his uh, his disciples. He got you know a pigeonogram telling him, oh, my disciples are dead. I better go. And but then, yeah, you find out he's just killing anybody. With one arm, what did they ever do? And so, yeah, why, I... why not? So is that a dead heat? Do we have three for the guillotine and three for the one arm boxer? Well, I, I think guess, so. Well, am I the tiebreaker then? Uh, yeah. Who are you going for, for Brad? I'm going for the one arm boxer. Oh! <laughs> and the one arm boxer takes it four to two. Great. I guess more people related to the actual protagonist of the film. <laughs> Great. He's just trying to do his civic duty. Enlighten people. Well, through, I mean, for for uh, one thing, he's through. you know he's a Ming rebel. You know, he's he's going against the the the, the evil Mongol dynasty, which is cool. <laughs> so, you I know, mean, that, really, that, 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 I don't know. I guess what tips it off is like the the way in the first like that first line where they say something about like oh this rebel guy he killed us or whatever. The minute you hear the word rebel and not terrorist. You know, <laughs> it, Probably that's a good guy because he's he's a rebel. <laughs> Rebels are good. So you've got a much deeper political read on this situation than any of us bother. I guess with. so. <laughs> mm. I mean, there's the there's a lot of other fighters too. It wasn't just those two, which really surprised oh, yeah. me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, Horror, you must have loved how themed this movie was. I Well, I was really worried because I was like, oh, it's the big tournament. And I'm used to the things of like, oh, it's the big tournament. And you see, uh, like, the, the, the main character fight and the other things are going in the background. And it's like, no, that's... Here, here are all these specifically themed characters. Uh, here's a guy with a, a walking stick that has a hidden knife in it. Here's a guy that his arms can stretch, <laughs> just with extra bends in it, uh, and just and they fight. And it's not like oh, it's, one of them just wins. It's not like oh, they're both sort of no. One of them wins and progresses on in the tournament. But the point is, there's a but, and then the ones that are like winning, they go oh, well, now you have to fight him too. So he fights a lot of other people than just the guy with the flying guillotine. Yeah, the, the movie, yeah. probably the best part of the movie, actually, the best section, you learn it just takes a complete non-sequitur to focus on all of these one-shot characters showing them in a tournament for no reason. And it's so wonderfully entertaining seeing all these ridiculous caricatures fighting each other. And, and the battles are great. They're, so, they're, they're, they're really fantastic. It, it's kind of unique for a kung fu movie in that most kung fu movies' plots are either really simplistic or, like, convolute to the point where it's kind of funny. This one is mostly simplistic and just kind of steers off base uh, for, for the for the tournament, which is actually a really long section of movie. There's a good 25 minutes where it's just random kung fu matches, and it's possibly the best part of the film. Yeah. Now, actually, it's, no, I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's like real, you know, honest-to-God kung fu choreography, you know? Mm-hmm. It's great. It's really good stuff. It's a it's a pretty big combo of a, I I kind of noticed with this movie there tends to be two different kinds of kung fu movies. Like you, you can probably broaden it even farther, but I think it's it kind of between athleticism, like the the real hardcore Bruce Lee stuff and like the Jet Li stuff, and even Jackie Chan stuff to a certain degree, where it's like showing off physical prowess, and then the more Shaw Brothers uh, camp style movies. And this one has a, has a little bit of both, which is really the best in my mind. Well, yeah, I mean, um, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Wong Yu was actually really good friends with Jackie Chan. Um, they made a few movies together before, you know, before Jackie Chan got really huge in America. And he was kind of the, uh, the medium between, like, you know, after Bruce Lee died and before, like, Jackie Chan and Jet Li got really big. Um, he was sort of like the top dog in like the Kung Fu business in Hong Kong. So yeah, I mean, like his movies are really kind of top dollar as far as the, the choreography. It's a lot of fun. Well, uh, as we do, it was really fun. It's a great movie. As we do here on Terravision, um, all of us compiles a, a top three list. And this is this is the top three anything that we can think of in the movie. So, Toby, you got your list ready? Yes. Mine is the top three ages that I think that the actor who played the Master of the Flying Guillotine may have been. <laughs> uh, for number three, I'm going to be gracious and say that possibly he's as old as he's supposed to be and say he's about 70. That's just, you never know. You know, he could be a, you know, maybe it's a real beard. Uh, it's not, though. Uh, the, the next uh, possibility is that he's prob could be about forty five. You know, he's kind of splitting the difference. You know, he's still got some energy in him, but he's a little older. You know, kind of matches. But I'm gonna go for number one. I'm gonna say he's probably about thirty two, because when you get into the close ups, you see that he doesn't have a wrinkle on his face, and you see just how fake the facial hair is, and just how possibly spray paint based the gray hair is. 39. Does anyone have the actual age of this actor at the at the time of filming? I don't. I suppose we could IMDb it. <laughs> right, Maybe it's better as a mystery. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up while you guys Yeah, continue. let's move on to the next one. Maddie? Okay, uh, my top three 
is top three things that reminded me of the movie Kung Pao. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Kung Pao is a parody of martial arts films that was Maddie, a... what? Please say the entire title. Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, was one of my favorite films growing up because I was an impressionable young child, and it happens. It happens to everyone. <laughs> look, look, it happens. Look, Kung Pao happens. Okay. I'm not going to apologize. I mean, for it. I'm not. I'm not ever going to defend the 3D cow matrix scene. I'm Damn. not gonna. But uh, my top three uh, things in Master of the Flying Guillotine that reminded me of Kung Pao and the Fist. Uh, three was the daughter of the guy who ran the Kung Fu tournament. She, she, the character just looks very similar to the main uh, woman in Kung Pao. Number two is one of the tournament contestants is an actor who was in the movie that Kung Pao is uh, uh, based in. Um, the, the guy with... Uh, I forget. He, he's just supposed to be adult in the movie. Anyway, number one is, uh, Wins Without a Knife is actually the same actor who plays the villain in Kung Pao, Edge the Fist. And, spoiler alert, he does win with a knife. Yes. <laughs> spoiler alert. And the best part about that moment is everyone's like, oh, he had a knife the whole time. <laughs> How clever. <laughs> He's the best character in all If time. I ever enter a Kung Fu tournament, I'm gonna be Wins Without a Gun. Yeah. And I'm gonna pull a Mac 9 out. <laughs> Uh, my top three were um, the supposed foreigners in the film. <laughs> uh, f- f- from the Chinese perspective. So, number three was brown-faced, long-armed man who was supposed to be from India, I guess. <laughs> we did not look at Number two was the mustached guy from the Termix. I don't even know what race he was supposed to be, but it was clearly not Chinese. Was he the guy with the, like, big spear in his face? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he, was he, was, he was Mongolian, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think right. so. Right. He's a Mongolian. Mongolian people are known for having a giant open circle in their shirt. No, 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 no. He was the guy with the, like, spear and then, yeah. like, the Roman chest oh, yeah. guard. He looked, like a, he looked like a bad Star Trek he, villain. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was the fucking leather daddy. Yeah, exactly. Thunderdome guy. Number one, thanks for stealing my thunder, Toby, was man without a middle of a shirt. Because somewhere out there, there's a, there's a race of people or a culture in which you have an entire normal shirt with the middle of it cut out because, well... I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Ty Charles Bronson didn't make your list. Yeah. I, I, he's pretty good, but like he really. Can't, I mean, that's, yeah. Coming in at fourth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hear you. <laughs> Brad. Okay, mine are um, top three sounds or um, <laughs> awesome or or, uh, or or sound bites lines that um, could may may well have been in uh, in Wu Tang songs. Woo. <laughs> 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 The first is, I intend to kill every one-armed man I come across. The second is, death is a door from which we never return. <laughs> the third is just the sound of the guillotine and the guy jumping out of his out of his ceiling for no reason. Just a very <laughs> hyperbolic kung fu moment. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll throw mine in there. Uh, mine are the, the top three things that I do not want to be in this universe. Uh, the number three uh, is a coffin maker. <laughs> I spent all. I mean, those coffins are hard to make, and so one, all of his, his supplies got destroyed in that huge battle with all the axes flying. And then everyone's coming up for coffins because there's all these dead bodies now from the tournament and houses being burned down. 
that's just a shitty thing to do. Uh, two, as I mentioned before, a one-armed man. <laughs> there seems to be an overabundance of them. And not only is it hard to just go about your everyday life with only one arm, but you're going to get your head cut off and then dumped out of a flying guillotine. Uh, and then the number one was uh, one of the guys without a weapon in the tournament. Yeah. Because I guess no one told him that you could have a weapon. <laughs> this guy that goes in there, he goes, you know, the man with the fast fist or, or something. And then he's against a guy, you know, with like a really long spear. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, some of them have weapons that are like really good and fancy. And some of them just go in there with a stick. Or some of them don't have weapons at all. And I don't understand how that's fair at all. Uh, so I'm under the impression that no one told them they could have a weapon until it was too late. <laughs> well, all right, my, my top three, and this is going back to the Home Alone thing. The top three dirty one-arm boxer tricks. Um, number three, the hot box. Luring the uh, shoeless, leathery, Ty Charles Bronson <laughs> character into essentially a hot room, surrounding it with students who have spears, and then just basically dodging him until his feet burn off. Uh, that's, that's pretty hardcore. You know, that's a pretty grisly trick to pull on an ostensibly honorable warrior. The the second dirty trick is luring a blind man into a room full of pigeons. Uh, <laughs> and then trying to fight him in that in that in that room. That's that's pretty low. But the the top dirty trick is just it's got to be the spring-loaded axe. Yeah. You know, you dodge the guillotine, the guillotine hits the coffin, the lid gets pulled off. And, oh, there's a spring-loaded axe behind it. Boom, axe in the chest. And that happens three consecutive (laughs) times to this poor guillotine character. I'm starting to come around to Toby's view a little bit. This is sort of the unfairness of this. While the one-armed boxer is hanging upside down from the ceiling, throwing pebbles at the general vicinity of about a dozen spring-loaded axes. And that's his big plan for... For victory. Well, I hope one of these hits him. All right. <laughs> um, as, a, as a follow-up, we looked up the age of the flying guillotine, and I was ex- I was on the nose. Thirty-two years old is how long the actor. How long? How long the actor? How long? How long in years the actor was aged old? He was thirty-two <laughs> years. I got the thirty-six. You got thirty-six? Yeah. It says on IMDb he was born in thirty-nine. I used math. Did you use math? Oh, I used a toaster. That explains it. Maybe we used bad math. He was born in 39. Movie, Well, the movie was released in America in 75. But oh, I think it's 71. I think it was actually made in 73 or 74. Okay. Uh, so I guess he probably was like 35, 34. Pretty close. Oh, yeah. I, I did the, the I mathed wrong. But in any case, I was pretty close. Gotta say. Not bad. Not a bad guess. <laughs> Pretty close, pretty close. <laughs> what do you guys think of the end of the movie? It's, it's pretty abrupt, but um, I gotta say, style points for killing the guy and then kicking a coffin underneath him so that when he lands and dies, he's already in a coffin. That, I gotta give him a lot of style sweet. points that, for that. That was awesome. It reminded me quite a bit of um, towards the end of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly when he's already got the, uh, the grave dug out and shoots him, shoots him into it. Although I didn't think the ending was abrupt, I thought they'd been building up to that for a long time, and it's uh, very satisfying. It just doesn't just just doesn't drag out. It's a crisp yeah. ninety minute little flick. It just happens that there's no epilogue or anything. It's just like, well, done. <laughs> which is fine. What are you gonna do? I, well, I mean, the title. Well, I mean, the, uh, the full title of the movie, I believe, was the One Armed Boxer versus the Master of the Flying Guillotine. Oh, so, that's true. Okay. There that's it is. Fighting. One of them won. That's it. Point. 
Yeah, it, it is. It is like a Godzilla movie showdown in the Kung Fu universe, basically. Ben, are you saying that so Asian long. people are like monsters? Yes. <laughs> um, the fight was so long too. I was really impressed. I was like, the flying easy. How much stuff can you do with it? But he was wailing that around, <laughs> cut stuff off. I mean, yeah. that was a long fight. That was a uh, yeah. one of them trying to put the other one a, a hat on him. Put on the hat, no, fight, fight. I mean, this is a long fight. <laughs> I'm impressed by it. I, I, gotta, uh, I, I gotta also mention, um, a lot of Kung Fu movies use the flashback feature because a lot of them tend to be revenge flicks, so they, they flash back to the terrible thing that's happened. But, and by the way, Warm uh, Swordsman does it a lot. But uh, this movie I thought was kind of interesting because at the very beginning, they don't really do much of a flashback to motivate the massive flying game. He just He just says out loud what he's pissed off about. And then flies through his uh, roof in a reverse Santa Claus sort of move. But then later on, there's a flashback. Um, <laughs> reverse Santa Claus. <laughs> I think you've come up with the best term for that maneuver. Ancient Kung Fu maneuver. Reverse Santa Claus. <laughs> um, but then later on, there is a flashback. To, uh, which they have to make the, the video quality even grainier and even shittier than it already is, which is really funny. And it flashes back to Big Air Chest Man with his <laughs> giant inflatable chest. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, it's the one on Boxer versus the human water wing. Yeah, it's just like, and I don't understand. I don't understand why that guy has a has a has a big poopy chest in the flashback. It doesn't really have to do no, with the flashback. I, I just want to mention that. No, the best. <laughs> it really does. No, no, it wasn't supposed to be muscles. But he, but he kills him by poking a hole yeah. in him, and then you hear the sound of yeah. air escaping. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, be, the best thing about him is like, look, I'll inflate to be strong. It's like, I'll poke you, and you'll die. It's like, the best part is not that he inflates, but that somehow poking him kills him. That's a leap from like, That's why the one-armed boxer is awesome, is because he always, you know, like, people have these elaborate like, attacks, like, I have a flying guillotine, or I will inflate, or something really cartoonish and ridiculous, and he's like, yeah, well, I'll just outsmart you. <laughs> You're coming at me like Missy Elliott? This is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, did, by the way, did you guys at all think that they should have, I thought they should have focused more on either, uh, the Master of the Flying Guillotine or the One-Armed Boxer. I thought the movie just kind of jumped around a little bit. I like that there's so many different characters, and I like that they simultaneously kept it 90 minutes, so good on both counts. I, just, I guess I wanted to... I, I'm not complaining too much. This movie's awesome. Generally, but, it, it just sags a bit when it focuses on the students. Because the students... Yeah. The stuff yeah. of the students never culminates in much of anything, yeah. except for them throwing spears at the poor, poor uh, Charles Bronson man. <laughs> Whereas, I mean... It's probably it. good. Like, it's probably good that it jumps around because you do notice that any time it sticks with any particular character does get sort of tedious. True. So... I mean, like, because none of the characters I, have, like, a shit ton of depth, let's be honest. So, probably, you know, like, giving them minimal screen time, you know, like, kind of shorter scenes is a good idea. I, but I gotta say, though, when I was watching uh, the Warren Boxer, when he was singing and talking to his students, like, hey, students, we gotta defeat this guy. Like, yeah, we have to defeat I was like, alright, you move on. Well, I was watching Massive Flying Guillotine. I'm in a bar. And I'm gonna rip someone's head off. That wasn't the right guy. Fuck if I care. I'm like, oh, man, I wanna watch this guy all day. <laughs> I'm not sick of this at all. Um, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, like, there are some uh, characters where it just makes no difference at all. Like, for example, the daughter of the guy who runs the tournament and oh, yeah. wins without a knife. See? There's this whole subplot about him saving her from a collapsing building, I think, and then he's like, come train with me, and she says no, and then he fights the one-armed boxer and dies, but it doesn't And then she's him. never seen again. Yeah, yeah, she's matter. never seen again, and it doesn't hinder one-armed boxer's fight with the Master of Flying <laughs> Guillotine. And, 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 There's yeah. nothing... It, 
it doesn't matter. Anymore. I now, think that was them writing fights without a knife out of the script. Yeah. <laughs> now it should be noted they had like a the, the long arm supposedly Indian fellow does get a great the climax. Yogi master. That's true. Yeah. He does, that, that, he, that he was my personal fight. favorite fight yeah, in the film. Good. Actually, yeah, it's 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 great. He throws an owl. That's his opening move. He just. <laughs> Fucking chucks an owl at the like, oh, sorry, you flying geese. I, 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 yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually had a separate top three list of like top three weapons, which is much more boring. I had flying geese as number three because number two was one. Number one was definitely owl because it's like, yeah. oh yeah, well this pet owl of mine will. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> chuck it like a fastball at your yeah. head. It's the so owl you're... model of flying geese. Yeah. Uh, you know, a later version, but uh, you know, not, oh, not, or not, maybe an earlier version. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe the original early test run. The test drive, right? No. Or you're as good at decapitation. <laughs> but very good wait, at Way better at copying up voles. <laughs> Did we just mention voles at the same time? <laughs> Jinx. Only for owl food. <laughs> oh, boy. Right, anybody have any final thoughts? Um, it is worth it is worth mentioning that this movie has a kick-ass soundtrack by very much so. uh, the Krautrock band Noi. <laughs> somehow got thrown in for the American release, which is Is awesome. that what that is? That's, that. that's badass. Which is subsequently featured in Surprise, Surprise, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Tarantino, Tarantino is very good at cherry-picking uh, excellent yeah. kung fu soundtracks. You know, in some shots, I could have sworn I saw Quentin Tarantino's semen on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Wow. Well, I, yeah, I like, we I, have Rizzo to thank for that, because he is Rizzo. most definitely responsible for that... Um, that sample in Kill Bill that, that yeah. uses that noise song because yep. he did write the music for, for yeah. Kill Bill. Which, which or hey, widely responsible for it. Which, hey, good on the RZA. Yep. Um, good job, RZA. I'd like to leave off All with... Right, I'd like to leave off with... I just realized that, that um, Kung Fu movies love explaining shit that isn't real. <laughs> uh, because they, they they really like I mean all, all the way from Quentin Tarantino emulating it in Kill Bill where they explain the Swordmaster thing to this movie like going on at, in, in length about expo- like Toby was saying about explaining the fly guillotine uh, this shit doesn't make any sense and it's great thank you so uh, I, I overall I was going to give the movie like three and a half because I think the stuff of the students and the other things kind of bog it down a little bit but I feel bad because I'm talking about it right now and I'm like no, this sounds like a movie I'm going to remember for a really long time. And that I want to give four stars to. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and edge out four stars. I'm going to give this movie a solid four and a half flying guillotines out of five. <laughs> nice. Uh, because, honestly, the only thing dragging it down is, is, a, is a bit of plot confusion and a few irrelevant characters. Because every moment that the master of the flying guillotine is on screen is absolutely epic. Every time he shows up, the first fucking thing he does is cut someone's head off with a guillotine. Or at least he attempts to do so. Yeah. And it just gets better from there. So, solid four and a half. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to be a little a little bit more harsh. Uh, maybe it'll play better for me in a second viewing. I'm going to go to 3.5. Uh, it's extremely entertaining most of the time. It's got a couple of kind of saggy elements that don't really go anywhere. But its highs are extremely high. So, uh, you know, based on... Alex, you've seen it a couple times, and you're willing to give it a 4.5, so I'll have to see how it plays the next time I see it. And, you know, I'd be happy to watch it again, so that's always a good thing. I'm going to say 4. Everything... uh, All the actual action sequences are terrific. It's short. It's punchy. I'm never, like, waiting for the next thing to happen. I'm never just tapping my foot Sonic the Hedgehog style. (laughs) Uh, I'm... You're too slow, movie. That is not happening here. So four stars. Uh, well, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a four. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed talking about it. I enjoyed tell, 
I, t- I told other people about it, and I would totally watch it again. And one thing that I want to point out is, uh, you know, I, I would the, the people listening to this, if you take some of the things out of context, it may sound like this is like a really bad, cheesy movie that's just really... But no, that's not the case. This is actually a good movie that is very fun and enjoyable, uh, that doesn't take itself seriously, but it's not like this movie's so bad, I can't believe it's ridiculous, I'm watching it. It's a really well-put-together movie, just with ridiculous you know, plot points that it, it, it runs with. This is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it should be known that everything in here is completely 100% intentional. And I, I don't, I mean, from what I gathered, I don't think anything in here was funny, ironically. I think no. they knew what exactly yeah. what they were doing, exactly what was fun. Yeah, I was never laughing at the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I give this a, a, a solid, razor-sharp um, four stars. I want to give it more than that. Um, I wouldn't quite give it five stars, but yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's been one of my favorites Kung Fu movies since high school. So, you know, I have sort of a, a, a sentimental spot in my heart for it as well. So yeah, it's, it's great. Solid recommendation from all? From all. From all. And to play us See out. See this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here's some, uh, crowd music apparently, uh, to play us out. That just sounded way offensive. Ha 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 ha!